When you see someone in your practice area quoted in the news, do you ask, why are they talking to her and not me? I know all about that. And I'm so much better looking. The answer is reporters call the people they know. They don't call an attorney that they've never heard of. Why would they call you attorney if they don't know who you are and what you have to say about a subject and why it is of value to their audience? Welcome to the Law Firm Growth Podcast, where we share the latest tips, tactics, and strategies for scaling your practice from the top experts in the world of growing law firms. Are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. So we're here with a super fascinating guest in Janet Fox. So Janet is the head of Fall Communications. She has a super interesting story and a topic that I've always been interested about, but never really knew too much detail. So this is going to be a fun one for me as well. So um, thanks for coming on the show, Janet. Jan, it's my pleasure to be here. Jan and Janet, what could be better? <laughs> yeah, it's a power team. We usually like to get started with a little bit of a background story. So, I mean, you find yourself in a pretty interesting situation right now doing a lot of this public relations stuff for law firms, but I'm sure you got an interesting story of how you got here. Oh, you have no idea. It's been quite circuitous and torturous, my path. So I'm currently working as an independent consultant advising attorneys on media relations and marketing communications. Before that, I worked in several public relations agencies. Sometimes law firms were my clients. Before that, I worked on Wall Street. Before that, I was a college professor of Spanish language and literature. I have a PhD in Spanish. So you can see it's not exactly a straight line that I went from academia to Wall Street to working in communications and now working with clients in the law. Yeah, that's, that's quite a journey. <laughs> so no, like public relations, this has always been something that's, like I mentioned in the beginning, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting to me. It seems like it's kind of a kissing cousin of marketing or maybe considered under the marketing umbrella, but how would you define what public relations is? This actually is a very hotly debated subject, Jan. You wouldn't believe it, but even when the Public Relations Society of America came up with a definition of public relations, there was a lot of disgruntlement in the field. So I'm going to paraphrase here and say that public relations is the development of a mutually beneficial process whereby an organization communicates with its various publics. Now that takes into account a lot of areas because the various publics could be potential clients, it could be government regulators, it could be competitors in the marketplace, it could be employees. So it's the mutually beneficial process of communications between an organization and its various publics. Marketing, on the other hand, is transaction-oriented. So there you go. Okay, awesome. So we've got kind of the ground set as far as the definition goes, but kind of putting it into you know, where the rubber meets the road. We got attorneys listening to this podcast, and what would they want out of a public relations engagement? What can they really stand to gain from investing into this? So I like to think, who is on the other side of the table? And what is it that you want to engage them in? 
So it may be that you're looking for potential clients. So that's one potential audience. It may be that you want to be in touch with your referral sources. That's a very different audience because they may be attorneys with whom you clerked or with whom you went to law school or who have a practice that is parallel to yours or who are conflicted with a current client. They can't take that client, so they pass the client to you. But your referral sources might also be financial advisors or they might be accountants. So one audience is potential clients. Another audience or another public, as I mentioned before, is your referral sources. Another potential audience is people in the community. You may want to be seen and recognized for the good work that you're doing on a pro bono basis. Another audience might be local elected officials. Someday down the line, you might need their help for whatever reason. And so you want them to know who you are before you ask for their help. Another audience might be future employees. If an associate sees your name in the news, then they want to work for that law firm that's always getting their name in the news. So you can see that the audiences or the publics that you're dealing with can be quite varied in terms of their familiarity with your practice and with your industry, and by quite varied in terms of what their particular agenda might be, right? Because a potential client has a different agenda than a referral source, than a member of the community, than an elected official, or than an associate who's looking for their next job. Gotcha. So we have to start sort of from a place of who is this message really for? Now, coming from kind of the marketing side, you know, definitely, uh, definitely on the, the transactional side with both myself and, and a lot of the guests that we've had on the podcast so far, the idea of having somebody's name in the news or, you know, on a newsstand or on television or on the radio or, or what have it is, I'm sure there's a lot of people who are listening to that and thinking that's super cool. Now, this is kind of the thing that you're doing for clients all the time, right, Janet? And like, what's kind of the process for I mean, we were like starting from having a message. You know, what is, uh, what's kind of the next step as far as identifying where somebody wants to be and how to potentially get in touch with those people? I would identify what the attorney's background is. And then I would develop that in terms of what I call a media profile. And by the way, on my website, I have a link to a sample media profile that a person could review and then they could complete the worksheet and then they could get in touch with me and get a free consult and we could begin the conversation there. So to reiterate, we understand what it is that your practice area might be. So say you are a securities litigation attorney and you focus on over-the-counter stocks, what have you. So we would become a little more granular and talk about what are three to five bullet points of what are the hot topics that people need to know more about and the kinds of solutions that you have provided for your clients in the past. So we provide your contact information to the reporter. We have a general description of your background. We have more specific issues that you can deal with. And then we would come up with some trends that people need to know more about. Finally, we would have a quote. This would be something snappy that would catch a reporter's ear and make them think, aha, this Jan Roos, he really has his finger on the pulse of what's happening in the market here in securities litigation. I should talk to this fellow. And finally, at the bottom would be the name of the person to contact, if not yourself. Say you have an assistant 
or you have a public relations consultant who's handling your calls. So now that we've come up with your media profile, talking not about your career and your CV and how many articles you've published and where you clerked and what have you, but it's about three questions that a reporter is going to ask. The first question is, why you? Why should a reporter talk to you when they could talk to your colleague down the hall or your competitor across town? And the second question is, why now? What is it that's happening now in the market that people need to know more about? Is there a change in the regulation? Is there a change in market conditions that people need to know about whatever it is that you have to say? And then the third question is, why should people care? How does your idea or your insight help someone else, whether it's an individual, a business, or a corporation, how does your idea or your insight help someone else save time, save money, or make more money? So that's how I focus the media profile, to answer those questions of why you, why now, and why should people care? And then once the attorney reviews this, and we are in agreement that these are the topics and this is the accurate presentation of their information, because we have to be careful with the rules of professional conduct in your state regarding attorney advertising, because this in some states may be considered attorney advertising. So once we have come to an agreement as to this is how you are going to be presented, then I conduct an outreach and I contact reporters who are interested in the topic, say securities litigation, who work for financial industry publications and who work for major media that focus on this topic. And I say, I really think that you should talk to Jan Roos because he has these ideas about topic A, topic B, and topic C. And here's his contact information. Let me know if you're interested and I'm happy to set up a call. So I do this email outreach and then I wait a few days, maybe a week, and then I make a phone call and I send it again so that the reporter is getting three touches. They're getting email, they're getting a phone call or voicemail, and then they're getting another email. And if at that point they're interested, they will be in touch with me. But if they're working on another story or it's really not up their alley because they've shifted focus, then there's only so much you can do, right? You can contact people, but you can't always make them respond to you or call you back. Now, the way I'm able to do this is that I subscribe to an online media database, and it lists hundreds of publications and the many reporters and editors that are at these particular publications. In many instances, these email addresses and phone numbers are not publicly available. So that's why it's worthwhile to deal with a public relations professional because they will not only know how to present you professionally to reporters, but they will also have a clearer path to reaching those people. Yes, you can do this on your own and good luck to you. You can also do your own plumbing. Yeah, that's a really good point. And uh, sometimes I'm surprised, but I think for the most part, uh, and I've, I've always used this phrase sometimes, it's like, you know, 
for a lot of cases, people could technically represent themselves in court. Hopefully, you know, the irony is not lost in the attorney who wants to do a lot of this stuff on their own, especially being a possessor of specialized knowledge themselves. So that's pretty interesting, Jen. And like, you know, it seems like it's a really, you know, obviously a lot of skill involved with that, some some resources with the databases, among other things, and a lot of elbow grease, more than I thought headed into this for sure. Now, after somebody's kind of gone through this process, you've got on the list, can you just should tell us like maybe a story or two about what can happen when all this, this groundwork is laid down. So I had one attorney and it was in December and we were thinking, what are the trends for the year ahead? Right? Because in December, reporters are interested in forecasting what's going to happen. Reporters know what happened already. They want to know what's going to happen before it's happened so that they can tell their readers and their readers can take advantage of this information. So I spoke with this attorney and we came up with the idea of what lies ahead for the IPO market in biotechnology. And I think it was biotechnology, yeah. And I contacted a number of reporters who covered biotech and who covered the IPO market. And I had a very interesting conversation with one reporter who I'll name the publication in just a minute. And she said, Janet, you won't believe this, but I was just handed this assignment. Can I talk to the attorney today? And I said, yes, of course. He's in California, so that'll give us a little time to set up the interview, and then you can have your conversation. And so I arranged the interview on both sides, so they each had each other's phone numbers, and they had this conversation, and that was on a Thursday, and the story was filed on Friday, and it appeared in the Wall Street Journal. Wow, that, that's incredible. And the total turnaround time for that, I mean, not to set any bad expectations, but that was like a, a weekend to end, right? Yeah it, yeah, it took only less than 36 hours. Yeah. Yeah, so Jen, that is all about timing, right? Right. And timing is everything in the marketplace because I could have suggested that story idea a week earlier and she didn't have the assignment, so she wouldn't have been as interested as she was in that moment. Right. And, you know, it's great when the timing works out, but I'm sure, you know, through the process of, of getting enough um, shots on net or, or at bats, depending on one's sports metaphor of choice, you know, the timing, it's more likely to get lucky over time with a lot of consistent outreach like this, right? Right. I mean, I can give you an example from a different experience where I arranged for a reporter from the same Wall Street Journal to meet with two attorneys and talk about their litigation practice 10 months later, front page left column of the Wall Street Journal. So that was a great experience, but it took 10 months for the right opportunity to come around. Right. So now as far as like, you know, making a timeline for somebody who wants to try this out, like you definitely wouldn't recommend this being like, quick in and out, let's try this for a month type situation. Like there's more of a commitment needed. Well, we can do it one time. We can work on a project basis. You know, I keep going back to litigation, but in any event, if you're filing litigation and you have a press release that tells the story of your case, then that is a one and done. But on the other hand, if you want to be seen as the source for comment on, let's just say, recycling and certain issues related to that and how small stores are dealing with changes in recycling requirements in this such and such metropolitan area, 
then that's something that every month you're going to be coming up with a new idea until you're going to get that conversation going. Right. Gotcha. Okay. So it could be either way. Now I want to switch gears a little bit. You've had a career that spanned pretty important shifts in the way that people consume information. How have things changed when, you know, we have the world of Twitter, 140 characters, news cycles being condensed into minutes and hours. What's been the difference as far as, I guess, the, you know, the ease of potentially breaking into something like this and the effect or anything else that I, I like, you know, for the, like, what, what are the major differences of, you know, now versus the different times in, in the world of PR? Well, I would point out that even though I've mentioned the Wall Street Journal, that uh, news is happening in print and print is going online and then other sources exist, other media sources exist only online. So that is something that didn't exist when I started my career back in 1989. So that's one thing that's different is that there are many more platforms for news dissemination and for news consumption. Now, you mentioned Twitter, and there's also LinkedIn. So I view those as opportunities not to necessarily catch the attention of a reporter, because if you do something on Twitter publicly, then every other reporter could potentially see it, right? But rather, what happens with LinkedIn and with Twitter and in in some ways Facebook is when you get that news story, then you can be sharing it across those platforms. Because if you didn't see that particular TV broadcast and the network didn't capture it, then as far as you're concerned, it didn't happen as a potential viewer and as a potential client. But if I have a story that appears in print or online, then I am able to capture that either as a PDF or as a link from the media source website And then I can share that across the social media platforms of LinkedIn and Twitter. So you may not have seen the story when it appeared in X publication, but because we're connected on LinkedIn or because you follow me on Twitter, you may see it there. So on the one hand, you have many more media opportunities because there are some media sources that are only online. And on the other hand, you have more opportunities to propagate and promote those news stories in which you are mentioned. But there's a third factor, and that is reporters are under more pressure to deliver more stories and sooner. And also they're under pressure for those stories to be seen online and for clicks. So consumption of their news stories. And finally, There is an estimate that for every reporter, there are six public relations professionals. So you can imagine there are fewer reporters working on a shorter leash, trying to generate news and clicks for their media outlet. And there are many more public relations professionals who are trying to get their attention. And that's not to mention the do-it-yourselfers. So those are factors that I think your audience should be aware of. Yeah, I mean, that's super interesting because I was aware, uh, you know, I read a fascinating book, you're probably familiar, um, Trust Me, I'm Lying by Ryan Holiday. And he was talking about just, I mean, it was was mostly along the lines of of the compression of the news cycle and, you know, the 
the demands that that reporters face today. But it kind of seems, you know, and that made it look like things may have tilted a little bit in, in the favor of uh, being able to get stories out. But with the level of competition out there, it might actually be more of a squeeze net net, right? I believe so. So all the more reason to work with a professional who will understand what is about your story or what is newsworthy about your idea and be able to get it in front of the reporters who will be most interested in writing that up. Right. We've got a wide variety of attorneys that could be potentially listening to this. And you know, they had different practice areas. We've got a lot that are in civil practice, maybe personal injury, divorce law, immigration, et cetera. Um, and then some people who have some pretty niche. And I would say a lot of the niche stuff kind of tends towards uh, you know, various areas of business practice. What would you say is, is probably the biggest opportunity, or I guess you know, the clients that you have the easiest time getting results, what are the best practice areas that should be looking into this right now? Now, I would remind you, Jan, that there is a publication for everything. I recently got an attorney client in several publications for the pizza restaurant industry. And okay, so that is a very niche mark. And he was talking about the issues related for employers who hire drivers. Are they employees or are they under contract? So it's not only Uber and Lyft and Via who are dealing with this contract versus employee status. It's many other businesses that have drivers and pizza delivery, I think is a perfect example, right? Because people are in their location, wherever that is, late night at the office or at home and what have you, and they, they call out for a pizza. So, so the issue for him was defining what are the obligations of the employer vis-a-vis the contract driver. And as I said, I got him into several pizza restaurant industry niche publications. So if there are more than one magazine for the pizza industry, imagine how many publications there are for every other industry, every other geographic market, every other age group. So no matter what your practice area is, you should be thinking along those lines. You should be thinking about the legal publications, you should be thinking about the industry publications, and you should be thinking about the business publications that serve your geographic market, and you should be thinking about the general news media that serves your market. So there are so many opportunities, no matter what your practice area, and you should be thinking, again, as I mentioned earlier, how does your insight or your idea help an individual, a business, a corporation, save time, save money, and make more money? So in this very narrow market of pizza industry contract drivers and their employers, we were addressing the issue of how can you make sure that you are in compliance so that you can stay out of litigation when you're driver thinks that they are actually an employee. So that's how this article was written, you know, and it took several forms of what it is that the restaurant owner needs to do to make sure that they're in compliance. And that way they will save time and save money and be able to focus on their business because they know that they're in compliance and they're not going to be litigated by a driver who thinks that they're actually an employee. So I would encourage your listeners to think very broadly about the legal publications, 
which may be related to an industry or may be national or regional, and to think about the industry publications that their clients and prospective clients will read. I would think also about the business publications that serve that market and the general news publications that serve that market. Yeah, well, this is uh, really coming full circle, I guess, true to the definition, you know, about providing mutual benefit. And I guess it really all kind of comes down to value at the end of the day. And definitely helps to have somebody like Janet in your corner if that's something that might not be immediately apparent. I know this was a video podcast, you would have seen uh, (laughs) smile a mile wide when you told me about pizza, (laughs) pizza employee litigation. Like, that's, that's pretty crazy. You know, it's, it's surprising that with a little creativity, you can, you know, become the potentially I can imagine when that article came out for the, you know, the pizza owners, pizza shop owners of the country, you know, they probably were were omnipresent for, you know, when, when that stuff came. Yeah, let me interrupt you here. I mean, you have to think that many people don't know that they have a potential problem. And so when you can name the problem for them, like the contract or employee status of your driver, and provide them with a list of criteria so that you can work towards a solution, you know, I think they're very grateful because now they know how they can stay out of trouble. But many people don't know that they have a problem until you point it out to them. Or they don't want to face that they have a problem. And now you have given them a tool, a checklist, or a solution so that they can address the issue and be confident that they have addressed the issue. Yeah. And to bring it a little bit more into sort of the parlance that, that some of the people that, are, you know, especially in the, the online marketing space, a lot of the things that you know, people throw around the term lead generation all the time. But I guess in the broader business community, you hear the word demand generation, which this seems like it really is. You know, if you're having a customer that you're showing a problem that they didn't know they have, well, you know, you just got monopoly status on that because they weren't Googling pizza employee driver relations attorney. And, you know, you're not going to be competing against anyone else for that, just using that example. But, you know, it seems like that could be super powerful. All right. So Janet, this has been super educational. Um, I'm getting a lot from this personally. And, uh, you know, if, if anyone's interested in potentially going down this line, what's the best way to take a next step? And, you know, what's the best way to get in touch with you? I have a monthly newsletter where I talk about these kinds of issues that people ought to be thinking for their communications practice, whether it's their public relations, media relations, marketing, online presence, and so forth. And my website is Janet, J-A-N-E-T, L is love, Falk, F is France, A-L-K, JanetLFalk.com. I have a lot of resources available in terms of media profile, how to write a press release, and I give samples for that. I also have my monthly newsletters I mentioned, they're all published there. I have other articles that I have published in general publications and also in legal-oriented publications, whether it's Marketing the Law Firm, New Jersey Law Journal, the New York Law Journal, and people can refer to that. And finally, anyone who gets in touch with me will get a free 20-minute consultation. And I guarantee, Jan, I guarantee two ideas. Yeah, I love that angle. I mean, it's as creative as, you know, the, the kind of ideas that we've been getting here right now, but uh, kind of going a little bit meta. <laughs> the uh, the idea mm-hmm. of having ideas is, is awesome. 
so yeah, if anyone's listening and wants to take Janet up on that, um, you know, that's, that's always an option, but there's also, you know, uh, I've checked out her website before doing this. I'll have some links to the show notes, but a ton of really great information there. Thanks again, Janet. Super appreciate the time. And for everyone else, uh, we'll see you next week on another episode of the Law Firm Growth Podcast. Thanks, Janet. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. For show notes, free resources, and more, head on over to casefuel.com slash podcast. Looking forward to catching up on the next episode.